Leute, Servus. Welcome to episode 8 of the Miyasan Road podcast. We're going to call this one Grinding Out Wins. Uh, so it seems a little bit of the luster has come off Yopankis' fourth tenure at the helm of Bayern after two very difficult, and some may say needlessly difficult, scrambles against Haasval and uh, Rosenball Sport Leipzig in the Pokal. Joining me today are Rick Joshua from Schwaz and Weiss and Bayern Central and Christopher Rahm of Miasan Roads to go over the last two interesting encounters and perhaps get a taste of round two of Red Bull on the weekend. Uh, Rick, how are you today? Thank you for joining. Yep, very fine, thanks. It's a pleasant evening here in London. And uh, Chris, how are you? Totally fine. Awesome. Totally fine. Awesome. <laughs> After Guys, yesterday, I, totally fine. I got to tell you, here in uh, sunny South Florida, it's the first couple of days that we could open up windows. So I'm very disappointed into having to shut all mine to record this podcast right now. <laughs> it's a crying shame. It's beautiful. It's like um, Celsius. It's like 21, 22 out. Gorgeous weather you're, for us. You're trying to make us jealous, right? For I mean, hey, listen. Here they bring out the the UGG boots and and the jackets when it gets this quote chilly unquote. So, but yeah, it's it's lovely. It's gorgeous here. Anyway, let's not digress anymore. We don't need to talk about the weather. Um, first up, we're going to talk about the Haasval match. Um, while they used to be one of Bayern's easier matches in the Bundesliga, um, the team has learned over the last 18 months how to play them tough. Um, pressing seems to have been uh, Marcus Gisdol's plan from the outset, excuse me, and worked very efficiently, especially against an unfamiliar Bayern lineup. Um, Rick, what were your initial thoughts on seeing the lineup and then seeing how maybe not effective it was against Gisdal's press. You know, I, I actually take a different tack on this to uh, to many uh, as it goes. You know, having watched the game a couple of times afterwards, yeah, I, I know that we're, we're, we're press, pressing quite heavily and uh, shoving everyone behind the, uh, putting as many men as they could behind the ball, more so when they were reduced to ten men. But I, I think uh, we were just pretty fine. We're profligate in front of goal, I think. Uh, and probably the case, well, we're going to move on to the Leipzig game, obviously, but that seems to have been uh, the theme in the last couple of games. We have the chances against Hamburg. I, I don't know how many times we uh, hit the woodwork in that game, but there, there, were, there were many chances to put it away early. And then it could have been a completely different ball game, but uh, those chances didn't go in. Uh, with, uh, we're a bit scratchy uh, up top and... Uh, I think 1-0 probably flattered them. Uh, I know they, they're going to go away and say that's a, that's a great result, only losing 1-0 to Bayern. But uh, every time we've uh, gone over there, I say certainly the last couple of times, the last couple of seasons we've gone to the Volkspark Stadion, it's, it's been a bit of a tough encounter. So they played the same game all the while. And we just didn't take our chances, I don't think. I don't think there's any great too much to read into it and uh, I didn't take so many negatives out of it I thought you know it could have been a bit more comfortable but it's three points and uh, we were never in any great under any great threat of uh, dropping the points there I don't think 
And Chris, your initial your initial uh, thoughts? Yeah, I guess Rick already, well, yeah, already pointed out. So it it worked very well after the red card. Definitely before we, we struggled a little bit against the the full court pressing of the house foul. This was a little bit surprising, but based on the lineup, there was no, yeah, it was kind of an expected that it will happen that Bayern is struggling with the build-up phase in the midfield so Tolisso Vidal it yeah it, it wouldn't work well so it's a kind of I would compare it if you, you're buying a dog and a cat and put them into a room and it could work very well for some time but there's this one moment when it's yeah getting to shit um, so and yeah it, it, it was a little bit like that so it was like they the passing game between them, the understanding, it, w- it wasn't that, that that good overall. So this didn't help Bayern in the early game. Um, also the, the rotation or, yeah, and, uh, Heinkes changed a lot of players. So I guess four or five new one if you compare it to the Celtic game and also to the Freiburg match. So there were some, some different changes and this one... Yeah, make it a little bit different, different, and yeah, it's it's hard to judge about the game. Um, <clears throat> do you guys think? Okay, so Hymas was taken off uh, fairly early for Thomas Muller, and we'll talk a, a bit about that in a second. But um, was Hamas rightfully pulled off? Was that the right decision for for Yopankas to make? Or might he have gone in a different direction and tried to stabilize the center midfield by taking either one Vidal or two Toliso off? Chris? Good point or good question. Hamas wasn't very involved in the first 45 minutes, so he was injured um, yesterday against Leipzig, which could mean that he was also already a little bit injured um, at the Haas foul match. But overall, it seems that he he needs some more practice in a way that um, he's getting more involved. So he needs more playtime, and it's it's hard to giving him, or it's it's currently hard to giving him playtime. So there are many opportunities that he can play or that he might should play. But overall, yeah, some smaller injuries, some other issues are causing it that he's just playing from time to time, and that he currently doesn't fit overall in the team so I offer my, my wishes are going that way that he's more involved because yeah there's just another offensive option then um, but actually um, it isn't and it's getting more and more difficult as long as it takes to to getting him involved um, yeah yesterday he was injured I guess there was definitely an option that he starts um, maybe he's fit again um, for, for Saturday match uh, against Leipzig, but it's really, really hard. And um, yeah, Heinkes needs to try or try to involve him. Um, that James is maybe the 12 or 13 option in the squad, so maybe he's not currently, yeah, not one of those players who who will start in most of the games, but who can definitely be an option in a kind of an yeah offensive rotation. So um, if Iron Robin gets some rest or Müller gets some rest, or might also Lewandowski get a little bit more rest or Coman, um, yeah, that 
one of those four or five offensive players get a rest um, the other one's playing so um, yeah and actually it, it isn't going in that way because Hamas isn't that involved as it would be or could be yeah um, I tend to agree but but this match specifically uh, Rick um, what do you think about about the substitution well, having seen that first 45 minutes, I don't think Hamas was particularly uh, well involved. And you could say that, well, there, there are a number of players who you could say that could have been taken off at that point. And, uh, but then again, as, as Chris has probably alluded to, has alluded to, I'm thinking of it at, at the time, I'm saying, okay, there were, he was one of maybe two or three that could have come off at that time. But given what has happened afterwards, him picking up an injury at some point and not being fit for the Leipzig game. I, I'm thinking perhaps there was more at play there. Perhaps, perhaps he wasn't 100% and that might have been another reason for him coming off early. And again, following up on what Chris said, I think certainly the way how Japankas has started off, he started on an idea of uh, the, the rotation seems to be quite serious. It seems to be that every game we're having two or three players brought in, left out. And uh, I, I'd re- I really do hope that uh, he's integrated more. Yeah, as I said in a couple of uh, comments that I've made and articles that I've written, he's an Ancelotti pick. That's why he's in... That's why he's in Munich. But I'd like to think he's there now. And uh, we try, the Hunkers tries to integrate him a bit more. It's going to be a little bit harder. And again, if he's injured, that probably adds a little bit uh, of, a, of a layer of uh, complexity to it. But he's certainly an option. So, And in the context of the Hamburg game, though, to go back to that, I'd say it probably was a, a fair fair decision to, uh, to pull him at that point. Yeah. My whole argument is, is uh, okay, so Thomas Muller comes in for six minutes, gets an assist, and is injured himself and is out for, depending on who you talk to, either three to five or six weeks. Not to say that Muller would have not been injured in the next match or whatever, um, <clears throat> but it seemed to me that that the... The problem existed from the central midfield um, leaving, kind of leaving the the forwards a little bit isolated. And I think it was, just for me, it was kind of hard-pressed to see Jaimes come out first when uh, Tolisso or Vidal certainly could have been subbed. I mean, Tolisso, in the end, you know, he, he makes good because he shoots a winning goal. Um but neither of them had a very good performance. He struggled yeah, no. in the... Yeah, sorry. Yeah, go, go on. No, okay. Um, yeah, Tolisa struggled in the first 45 minutes really, really hard. I guess the, his pass accuracy was around about 50-60%, which is yeah, kind of horrible for a midfield player, especially for Bayern midfield player. Um, he starts or he... He get better over the time, so I guess with the goal he gets some extra motivation. Um, 
and yeah it went very well then afterwards so that's true um Heinke is currently is trying or you you could split maybe the the midfield currently um there are five players so you have um Vidal Martinez and Tuliso which are maybe more on the physical side and you have um Rudy and Thiago who are more like yeah the playmakers so with the yeah, more skills on on um, visioners and yeah reading this the, the, the whole game um, and currently um, Heinkes mm, yeah mixed them up um, yeah with with both pairs so he 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 didn't mix them together he just keep them as pairs so once against Celtic he tried Rudy and Thiago um, against. Hamburg, he tried it the other way around with the more physical players, Tuliso and Vidal. Um, yeah, okay, against Leipzig, you know, we had a, a little bit special situation as so many players were injured. But in general, um, for me, it would make, or would make the most of the sense if he compared maybe one of those physical players with one of those playmakers. And yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to see how Heinkers will mix it up in the upcoming games. And Rick? Yeah, I'm uh- Pretty much the same, actually. I'm looking at these last few games. In hindsight, you can say it's worked out quite well. We, of course, are getting the two two wins, albeit on penalties yesterday. So you could say that uh, this policy of rotation is working out quite well because it's giving the coach a good idea in proper match situations which partnerships are working, which are likely not to. Yeah, I think if we overcompensate and put two physical players in or we put two uh, touch players in, that's not necessarily going to work, but you never know. In certain instances, it may come off. But we've had the opportunity now to see these various partnerships being applied over the last three, four weeks. And the idea here is hopefully at some point we'll know what's the best combination and we just move forward from there. And uh, that, that's I'm just looking at these last few games, as I said. as uh, it's, it's all worked out well and it's giving the coach uh, more food for thought, really. Yeah, it... Good. it yeah. Go ahead, Chris. Currently, I guess Martinez and Thiago um, is the better, best fitting pair, maybe, together with Müller then in the upfront. And yeah, this is maybe currently the, the starting point. But injury uh, or the injury from from Müller makes it now a little bit difficult, um, and we need to see um, what's coming up next. Chris, so so speaking of that. Um... Can you take? Can you trust Hankus to keep Thiago out of the ten spot and to start Hamas again, uh, possibly on Saturday, maybe going forward, waiting for uh, Thomas Müller to come back? Um, okay, now it's a little bit difficult as you ask something already for um, which is maybe highly influenced by the Leipzig game and we didn't talk about. Um, the answer is. Probably yes, because this is one of my learnings from from the yesterday matches that um, Thiago was a little bit wasted on the 10th spot at, in the zone 14. Um, I guess it or it would work better in those scenarios if Thiago can assist with the with his playmaker skills as Leipzig is trying to press really hard and creating a lot of traps. And even in the other, if you're thinking the other way around, I guess that the best solution was also on yesterday or would was on yesterday is if Thiago playing at um, um, the deeper position and maybe Vidal um, playing on the 10 
um, so he can, yeah, press them in the other way around and and stress it there a little bit, and also maybe he can bring in some yeah shooting abilities and yeah those things he he showed that mostly in in his time when he was um, part of the Juventus squad yeah i i find that really interesting and and i would love to see that do do we think Henkes would actually do that i don't know maybe maybe not he seems to have have kept a lot of uh trust in vidal um especially their time together at leverkusen um considering but uh, and yes dear listeners the two games kind of intersect because um the two games ran into the same sort of problems um uh final thoughts on Hasval before we move on to the Leipzig Pokal match Rick anything Yep. Final thoughts. I think you know what. Uh, as I said, we're 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 trying to uh, find uh, the right path, trying to find the right combinations. As far as Hasfal was concerned, yes, it could have been better. But all I was concerned about really is that it's added to this uh, growing sense of consolidation. It was a win. It made it three wins out of three, three points, and we're now back level with a. Uh, Dortmund at the top, when everyone was uh, dooming and glooming just uh, two weeks beforehand. That's all. I, that's all I take out of it. That's uh, it's a part of this process. Hamburg was a perfect opportunity. They're not the greatest team in the world. It's the greatest opportunity to do a bit of experimentation. It came off. There were there are a few uh, points that we need to look at. There were points of failure, but we got the three points, and that's all that uh, really. Uh, that's ultimately what I take out of that game. And Chris. <laughs> Yeah, I guess we pointed the most of the stuff already out. I mean, it was like a game. Um, there are so many highlights games in the upcoming weeks. So two times Leipzig. Even the Celtic match is a little bit special to play in the Celtic Park. Um, and then afterwards, it's going to Dortmund, um, which is also always a special game. So there are more or less three games, which are more 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 importancy than than the HSV game and yeah it, it it felt definitely like that so it wasn't that important for the players it it worked out somehow um we scored that lovely goal and yeah we created afterwards many chances um which is great um, the the only thing is like um the conversion of the chances um yeah should be better in the upcoming weeks yeah, that, that, that's that's the one thing to me for me as well. As I, again, I, I said earlier that you look at the Hamburg game. If we converted a little bit better, we I don't think we'd be talking about it so negatively. It might have finished two or three nil, and we're saying, you know what, let's we're we're rolling on uh, quite happily here. But uh, against Celtic as well, on a if we were really firing, that could have been five or six. I don't think how many chances we made and uh, every, how many opportunities we blew in that game. It, and like like like, like so uh, yesterday as well i mean we had the chances to win that game this is the thing we get that right that starts clicking and uh, i don't think anyone will have any anything to worry about but at the, at the moment that seems to be the biggest problem for me it's uh, the conversion conversion rate so um, yeah, it's, it's not it's not a chance creation that was the issue under on Charlotte, but actually it's more the, yeah, the conversion. Right. Yeah. So 
Okay, so before we go into Leipzig, um, uh, Anup um, at the Soberbank on Twitter, and this brings up an interesting question. Um, uh, who would you all prefer uh, as a backup striker, and who should be the backup striker? Should we buy a backup striker or promote uh, Manuel Winsheimer? <laughs> Nobody want to answer. Um, okay, I will start. Um, so basically, this is a discussion which yeah kind of pops up, let's say, every three months. Um, and then, yeah, the discussion is circling. And at the end, we are coming to no conclusion. And then the discussion is postponed for the next three, three months. Right. Um, basically... Let's let's argue that Lewandowski is one of the world best striker. It doesn't matter maybe if he's the best one or is uh, maybe is he the third best one or the fifth best one. Um, it doesn't matter at all. So he's one of those players. Um, yeah, maybe top of the world, one of those world class players in the squad. And he also doesn't have any bigger problems with yeah injuries. So. Um, and from his habit and um, style of playing and um, yeah, his kind of motivation, he wants always to play and he wants always to score. So there is no real um, backup player. Or if you're looking for a backup player, then 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 it's kind of a player who doesn't uh, will not receive many play time um, because Lewandowski is yeah. He just has the top spot and he will play maybe, let's argue, 95% of the, the whole playing time. So if you argue a minute. Um, so if you want to buy somebody, then maybe just to, let's say, yeah, there's kind of a veteran as it was like Bizarro. Um, <laughs> I was just about who, to say the same thing. I would love Bizarro who, back, who by the way. Care about, yeah, who doesn't care about if he's playing maybe just two minutes in, let's say, four or six months and is just there for the atmosphere. Um, this could work. Um, yeah. Promoting a young player could work as well. Um but yeah, it's 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 hard for those kind of players because they are, they they're getting better when they are receiving playing time and when they when they are consistently on the pitch and it's it's definitely hard with Lewandowski in the top spot. Last point, last but not least, um, there's also Müller in the squad actually, um, who can also playing um, in the Lewandowski role, maybe not. 20 games in a row but yeah for one game or two games in a season it would work as well and he could also playing um, um, as we saw it yesterday in a 4-4-2 instead of Reed who coming up then um, normally Müller would just going also in the top uh, in uh, as a second striker um, behind Lewandowski and then yeah there's also no room for an additional player so I actually see just more gaps in on other positions instead of okay now we are need to spend or we should spend some money into yeah, buying some backup striker I think the question also uh, the question only comes up when when uh, Lewandowski seems to spur his chances right nobody talks about it when he's scoring five goals or he or he has a hat trick am i right rick 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and this is why I, I try not to involve myself in this kind of debate too often, because uh, <laughs> we, 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 we know Lewandowski's quality. We, we, we know how good he is, how good he has been for the last uh, number of seasons that he's been playing at Bayern. And uh, yeah, like, like anyone, he'll have a couple of off games. But every time this happens, there's this same almost cyclical debate that we need a backup striker. And as Chris rightly said, Lewandowski being the player that he is, being the high standard player that he is, being a player that always wants to be out on the pitch, to get someone even close to his standard as a backup is uh, is a non-starter, really, because we're, we're telling someone who's probably going to be thinking, who's going to be vying for that spot, to be taking a place on the bench for uh, 90% of the time. So we've got the two options. It's either one... You try and integrate some of the the younger players coming in from uh, Bayern Bayern two into the into the team. Maybe uh, coming off the bench in perhaps less I wouldn't use the term important, but less how you can say challenging games, and that could be a problem in the next few weeks because we have a number of uh, tougher games in the next couple of weeks. And the alternative to that is you bring in a journeyman. So you've got your Pizarro or someone, okay, you could be called a journeyman. He he doesn't think that of himself because he's got fairly a high opinion of himself. Someone like Sandro Wagner, for instance. But uh, he's the kind of player that probably won't be happy sitting for 70% of the time or more on the bench. Right. So, uh, uh, again, I... I really try try to avoid uh, this particular discussion because especially the Lewandowski wasn't fantastic yesterday, and I, I could you could probably get some rumblings again saying, well, we need a backup striker, but you know what? I just pass it off. It's, it was it was an off day. He, he did what he needed to when push came to shove. He scored the penalty in the shootout. That's it. Move on. He'll probably score a hat trick in the next game on Saturday. <laughs> well, I hope so. I'll be there to see him. Maybe maybe last point. I see maybe one. One option which could work is maybe if you're looking for a player who can play yeah, also on, on the ring backs or on, on the wings. Um, so that you have maybe a ringer who can also play yeah, directly as a striker. So um, yeah. like yeah. like Sanchez for, for Arsenal, um, this is one, one we, example we had I have Gnabry, in mind. We gave him away, didn't we, again? Yeah, or um, Tris, Mer- uh, Tris Mertens currently playing this also for Neapel sometimes. So sometimes he's playing on the wings, sometimes he's playing the striker. Um, those kind of players could fit into the squad, um, especially if you're thinking, around, okay, maybe Iron Robin or Ribery will end their career maybe at the end of the season and you're trying to to involve such a player who can play maybe both roles um, but it's, that, that's currently the only option yeah I'd agree but then Ancelotti and uh, whoever was involved at the time didn't seem to think that when uh, we signed Gnabry and uh, he was on his way elsewhere almost immediately because he would have been a young, a, a young player who could be integrated into the team and B someone who could uh, fit that particular pattern Someone who is a natural winger, but uh, is a could be a goal scorer as well. Yep. All right. So, um, kind of an interesting discussion, but we are, or actually very, but we are going to move on to the Rasenballsport. Nah, hell, Red Bull Leipzig uh, Pokal match. 
It ended up fizzy one- drink Leipzig. That's what I call it. <laughs> it ended up one one in extra time, and uh, Bayern went on to win six five in penalty shootouts. Um, Emil Forsberg may have been gifted a penalty. We'll talk about that in a second, uh, in the 68th minute. Um, but then there was class by Thiago just five minutes later with class by Jerome Boateng with his assist for Thiago's header to level up the score. This was an interesting, um, furious tactical battle um, but it was a little bit offset by uh, uh, by referee Felix Swire's performance. How bad was Swire on a scale from 1 being horrible to 10 being B.B. Steinhaus? <laughs> <laughs> I think sometimes I think sometimes with a referee, it's uh, once you have that initial decision which you don't quite get right. There's this thing probably spinning around in a referee's head that uh, trying to make it up. Weight that's building on their shoulders, and it sort of like uh, spirals into an almost an insanity. I think I think that was the case with Spire yesterday. He's not a particularly bad referee. I don't, I've never really had any issues with him in the past, but yesterday there was. You look at it on in hindsight. We'll we'll have our debates about it. I discussed it in the thoughts I posted up yesterday about the penalty. Was it not a penalty? The, the first the first one, the Vidal foul, and uh, you look at that first. He probably looked at the replay and thought, well, it was a tug on the shirt outside the area, but Forsberg can, continued on into the box. Vidal then went in. Both feet were up in the air. Could it have even been a red card as well as a penalty? He's probably looking at that, and that's weighing on his uh, weighing on him as the second half goes through. And then he sees what is a glimmer of an opportunity to uh, give Leipzig a penalty to perhaps make up for that gap in the first half. And this is the kind of thing that happens to referees. I think it's just something that happens organically. I think it doesn't matter who's refereeing the game. You see a bad decision, then you see a succession of bad ones. It's like uh, Victor Kassai in that Real Madrid game last season. I'd, oh, I'd, yeah, I'd always yeah. rated him as a high-quality referee. But you see him in that oh, game. Oh, I don't know. Do you remember him? There's a catalogue of errors from just accumulating. And that's what happened with Svaya yesterday. So to give him a score of 1 to 10, I think probably 5-4-3-2 and he finished off with a 1. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, maybe it wasn't just only the penalty. So this is something, yeah. They're, the first one of the, the Vidal foul was like kind of, okay, it was a 50-50. You, you can't decide it. I mean, you could watch tons of replays and, yeah, you see this scene a couple of times and um, you could can think about three different solutions, how you're going to solve the um, the situation afterwards. Um, so I wouldn't blame him for the, that one. Um, and then there was those two Boateng scenes. So the first one was even also against Augustin. It was also a 50-50 situation, um, probably a little bit more foul than it was not. And then yeah, the last one against Forsberg, it was like, okay, um, that's then the, the penalty you just give them because, yeah, you don't give them the two before not. Um, 
but I just want to, or even more, I want to judge him not not for those situations. It's more or less for those, um, yeah, let's say personal um, personal penalties decisions. So, for example, Tolisso had three hard or four hard fouls, really hard fouls in the first half, um, where he tackled, um, I guess, Cater three times really, really hard on the food. And there, normally you would book him with a yellow card. And yeah, also there were some tactical fouls on both sides where he didn't um, show up with a yellow card. And that was, or that makes, made the game so different for for the players, I guess, um, because you, well, they couldn't expect, okay, is that foul uh, I, I tried to commit or I, I'm commit now? Is this a yellow card or not? And that makes the game so complicated and uh, yeah, brings so many stress into the game. Yeah, I think it was a lack of consistency. I think that's that's what it is overall. When the, the when the players are not sure where the standards are and uh, where they're being set, where the boundaries are, um, yeah, that that makes it uh, when you're trying when you're studying a referee, it's uh, not not the prettiest thing to to, to be looking at, really. It, it started already. It, it started already after 20 seconds as Obamecano, I guess, fouled Kimmich on the on the right side of the pitch, you know, really next to the corner. Um, so, did you turn just on the TV, or the the, the starting whistle was just just gone? Um, and then there was already the first really hard foul, where you normally maybe would book Obamecano, but he didn't, and then. He he whistled a lot of yeah minor things where you could say okay, um, this is like yeah really really hard boundary where he just decide okay in such 50-50 situations um, he he always whistled and he always um, gave the foul and then after 20, 25 minutes he changed his style and yeah give the players more opportunities and decided in those 50-50 situations then um, not always to the foul and that makes yeah those lacks of, of uh, created lack of inconsistency I think there's um, a lot of comparisons and forgive me to digressing to American sports but uh, to Major League Baseball and, and the umpire that stands behind the catcher um all they want is consistency, right? You can play the, so in baseball, they have a box, which is the strike zone, right? So you can either play it by the book, right? Exactly. Or you can allow certain things, but as long as it's consistent over the course of nine innings or in football over the course of 90 minutes, I think that, that, when players are bamboozled by decisions that go like wrong or weird or different than what has come before, it kind of takes away from the spirit of the match. Yeah, I think this is cases like what we saw yesterday is where a referee themselves, uh, they allow themselves to panic. And uh, when, when that sets in, it's automatically the the wrong situation for for both sets of players, and again, I think I think he's a fairly decent referee, and uh, he just got in a bit of a flap yep. yesterday, and uh, that's that's what created the, the inconsistencies over the course of the 120. Well, even the additional crazy minutes in 
in, in extra time. So 125 minutes or so of the game. Yeah, it, um, yeah, it's weird to to um, to watch Swire try and climb out of that hole and dig himself. And, that, and that's it. When, when and dig himself. The way how e- someone tries to climb out of that hole is that desperate scrambling to uh, right crawl up the sides, and it's quite it's it's not pleasant to watch. Really, it's Sorry. it's like quicksand because they they generally tend to get themselves deeper into it. Yeah, uh, of course. The, the trick of quicksand, I believe, is uh, trying to remain as still as possible. Yeah. And, uh, and and this is not what he did yesterday. It was a case of moving one direction, then another, and then in one direction, and then another, and that just made it more inconsistent and more disconcerting for for both sets of players. So, so Chris, um, at the end of all things, Bayern Duzel was definitely in effect. I think Bayern ended up the winner on all sorts of crazy calls from Zwire. Um, but what about uh, Rognik using his cell phone as his own personal uh, VAR? Well, um, yeah, it doesn't fit to, to yeah, sportsman conduct, or isn't it? Um, it was hilarious. When you're, yeah, when you're trying to, to blame... Um, the, the ref so I mean it, it's 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 totally hard for the refs right they are standing on the pitch um, they're seeing okay if we are don't playing without or if in, in that match there was no VR um, for some reasons I don't know why in the in the day of people call it starts from uh, beginning from the quarterfinal that they um, bringing up VAR so this was a match without and it's so hard for the rest right so everybody knows okay maybe your decision was right or wrong and um, even when the, the game is ongoing and uh, just in that half time you're you're trying to go to the ref and, and blame him for his um, maybe one fault in that, those 55 or 45 minutes um, it's it's so so ridiculous and um, yeah it, it doesn't doesn't fit to the normal expected sportsman conduct or I would expect here from all um, yeah let's say board members or people in charge um, who are involved into the game this and and that brings up sort of an interesting topic in Bundesliga now uh, they rely on VAR or uh, for all matches um, so Swire's performance was kind of a little bit outlier where that's not something that he could rely on anymore. I think I think that's you brought up a great point and I think that that is interesting. But for now, we're going to go away with Felix. Although it'll be hilarious if he's called for Bayern Leipzig on the weekend. Um he's not. <laughs> <laughs> I guess D-level. Um, oh, I hadn't seen. Okay, who? Um, but but maybe one fair point for for Zweier. Um, he was in charge for the first um, Bayern Leipzig game um, last last December, I guess it was, um, and he handled it very very well. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're not dog. We're not saying he's a horrible ref. We're saying he had a horrible performance. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a bad day. That was yeah. it. it started off badly, and it just spun out of control. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he's going to wake up this morning and say, "You know what? That was horrible." But I'm just going to move on now. Yeah. <laughs> Let's first. I'm going to 
I'm going to crack a beer because I'm hot. So here, listen. Ha! All right. <laughs> um, so carrying on with the match, again, we had uh, Vidal and Tolisso in central midfield. Um, and it didn't work out so well. Skipping the midfield seemed to work best with Bayern going forward. Is this really what should be happening, Chris? I guess it was hard. Or um, yeah, first of all, I guess I guess looked in the in the locker room and saw okay, there are eleven players. Um, they are fit, and <laughs> no more uh, no more other one is left. So. Um, I just have to bring them on. The the only variation where we can talk about is or what we already started um, a little bit is okay. He he moved Thiago in those zone fourteen and um, promoted Vidal and Tulisso in the let's say more defensive position, um, which didn't work out well. Um, okay. In the, in the first or let's say it worked in the first 20, 25 minutes, but it wasn't yeah in even game so both sides had their smaller chances um, but after let's say 20-25 minutes um, Leipzig get control over the game because they created lots of um, very good pressing traps um, Paulsen and Augustin created a lot of pressure on Hummels and Boateng Sabitzer and Forsberg created a lot of pressure um, on to Vidal Tuliso, Alaba and Kimmich and also Campbell and Keita helped out. And yeah, Bayern didn't find a way to um, use that space behind those six players. Um, there was a lot of space, um, but there was no chance. There was no chance to um, involving this, the speedness of Coman or Robin. And also, yeah, um, Lewandowski had no chance to to mark a ball against um, Obermecano and Orban, which created a lot of pressure after 25 minutes um, till the... Um, yeah, even in the, even if with the start of the second half, um, it just ended after the um, the red card for Cater. Then yeah, the Leipzig system just collapsed like a house of cards. Um, Rick, what do you make of Hassan Hütel's four two two two? I think certainly uh, until the sending off, I think. Uh, his approach, the, the tactics, the formation, everything seems to be going to plan for Leipzig. I was actually uh, very concerned as we uh, hit half-time. I was thinking we were lucky uh, not to be down at half-time. Ulrich, uh, Ulrich uh, stepped up to the plate, I think, pretty well. But, uh, yeah, as for uh, Hasenhutl's uh, tactics, I think they were spot on. I think uh, he seemed to have uh, read the game very well. His team applied themselves very well. And uh, if it weren't for the, the red card, uh, well, t- two stupid moments, I think, from uh, from Cater, and uh, which probably was uh, influential in turning the, the course of the game, we might not be uh, speaking this afternoon, this evening, with the same uh, same mindset. We might have been talking about a, a second-round exit for Bayern. So yeah. I think overall, I think uh, that the, the, the tactics work well. And when they come out with 11 men, at the Alliance on uh, Saturday, I think they'll probably apply and look to apply the same tactic again. The whole match 
reminds me a little bit at the Champions League final 2013, where also Dortmund trying to press Bayern in the first, let's say, 25, 30 minutes really, really hard, and Bayern struggled. Um, but yeah, as, as long as the game was going on, um, Dortmund lost a little bit. Um, yeah, they had the fitness and couldn't press or couldn't hold those pressing intensity over the whole time. And it was yesterday a little bit the same. Okay, there was the send off for Cater. Um, but I guess even with Cater on the pitch, maybe Leipzig maybe could start with, with the struggling, then maybe not directly after the red card, but also in the maybe 70, 75 minutes maybe or after that um, because they just overperform and um, yeah, they had so many, uh, this intensity they bring onto the pitch in the first 45 minutes was so high that they normally couldn't hold on. Um, so they had the f their foot directly on the accelerator, and I would expect um, that yeah, and sometimes they had to just put a foot on the brake because they couldn't hold on. Um, but yeah, um, the suspension for Cater was was the, the helping spot here definitely. For sure, um, what Bayern happened to do particularly well was defend in their box um, something they may not necessarily be known for under Ancelotti <laughs> I think I think it's gotten a little a little bit better under under Yup um, even though there was the press from Leipzig and and mistakes and turnovers given to given to Leipzig um, Bayern pretty much took everything out of uh, Leipzig's way. Would you agree, Rick? Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. I think uh, even, even where, when, as you say, was, when the ball was given away, we players got back into position. Every, everyone was uh, was working hard for the team. So everyone was going back to re try and recover from their, from their mistakes. And I think this is the kind of thing which I think Jupp has... Uh, I've, I've always seen him as that kind of coach anyway, that uh, it's every part of the field is important. And... And certainly that made a difference yesterday. But in in fairness as well, Leipzig had chances, and uh, Ulreich made a couple of good saves in that first half as well. And I think given that, and, and, I'll, and I'll be fair because I'm probably one of those who, who when uh, Manu was uh, injured and then Ulreich had a couple of butterfinger performances, I was thinking, oh shit, what's going on here? Where, where this is going to be a disaster for the next uh, two three months. But I think the last couple of games for him, he had a good game against Celtic. Didn't have much to do against Hamburg, but needed what he needed to do. And yesterday, I think he was pretty good yesterday. People will remember that penalty save. But to me, it was the couple of saves he made in that first half. We, They, they could have been one or two nil up, but come half time. So it's it's everything, I think. it's uh, Defensive coordination is a whole lot better. And uh, the keeper, when those chances have been fired at him, has uh, done what he needs to do. So it's every, everything has uh, come around there, I think. Yeah, he, he seems to have grown in confidence after the first two matches, uh, or first couple where Manuel Neuer was injured. Uh, Chris, do you have any, any thoughts on this? Uh, about Ulrich, yeah. Um, I mean, it was... He had a 
great performance yesterday. I mean, he has some weaknesses. Um, you know, if you are talking about his um, his long balls, um, the accuracy is, is not that good. Um, but yeah, he he can be, or he's definitely a good goalkeeper on the line. Um, and if Heinkes is playing with um, Hummels, maybe with Martinez, and yeah, then also Boateng or Zule, Bayern normally has also um, some advantages in the air. Um, so all, can can also cover this weakness. Um, yeah, that Ulrich is not the best one in yeah controlling this the space around him. But anyhow, um, yeah, yesterday he. He was one of those cornerstones who who helped um, with the victory. For sure, yeah, um, I, I think. I think. Go ahead. Go yeah, I think. I think. All right. Uh, as Chris alluded to, here, is an, is a seems to have been as I'm, I'm seeing now, seeing a lot more of him. Is certainly as a shot stopper, is a uh, pretty decent. But yeah, again, there's that spatial awareness. The for example, there was, there was a, I mean, there was a flappy moment uh, in extra time as well, where he didn't quite time he timed a run, and uh, it could have been uh, correctly caught out. Yeah, and it's these kind of things that you look at it and say, well, you know, the, the benchmark for us is Manuel Neuer. I mean, someone who's got fantastic spatial awareness, and uh, I think. Ulrich is either as good or as bad as many of the other keepers out there. I think we've got such a high standard we're holding him up against. So I think with things like this, he can only improve. But what he was called on to do yesterday, stop those shots that are fired in on goal, I think, uh, yeah, it was more than up to the task in uh, keep, keeping uh, keeping the attack out, the Leipzig attack out. Of course, the only goal he conceded was from the spot. So... All in all, I think yeah, there are there are the weak moments he had, but I think we can we can be happy that uh, things are getting better on that front. I think I don't just speak for myself, but I don't have that same level of uh, heebie-jeebies, as it were, before every game <laughs> as, right. as I had when I, when, I, when I first had when I first saw the couple. I thought, oh, what, what are we in for here? And there was a discussion about signing signing another goalkeeper, all this sort of nonsense going on. But I think hopefully that's behind us now. He'll see it through until uh, Nora is fit again. Yeah, um, a lot of that a lot of that signing another goalkeeper I think came preseason, um, and then he got hurt because he was supposed to be off, and he could have been off. To be fair. You know, but then there are there there were the heebie-jeebies, and then you know Tom Starke coming back, kind of, sort of, and whatever. But I'm I'm glad he's been given the chance at least to to redeem himself, and I think he has. Um, and Chris, uh, uh, pardon me, and Rick, like you said, uh, comparing someone to Manuel Neuer is an also uh, almost impossible standard. Um, but he's been good, and yeah, it, he's definitely. Um, it, it's it's pretty similar as the discussion we had previously about Lewandowski and signing a backup striker. Right, it's the same discussion for the goalkeepers. So normally, um, the second goalkeeper behind Neuer will maybe just have one or two matches in the whole season. Those, yeah, kind of yeah, silly silly games. And now 
he's in charge because Neuer is injured. Um, it seems that he improved himself a little bit and he is, he's getting a little bit more consistency over the time. We need to see... Um, how he can handle it in the upcoming weeks. But at the moment, I'm quite satisfied with his level. It's it's really not so bad to have uh, Boateng and Hummels in front of him um, that distribute the ball so excellently. It, right, guys? It's kind of... They're kind of like a Neuer in that aspect as far as, like, crucially bringing balls forward. Would you... Rick? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think you've got those two. You took one of the best centre back pairings in, in certainly in Germany, so possibly in Europe, and uh, and and if you're a goalkeeper, to have those two guys in front of you, that's something that's going to make you more confident automatically anyway. So I, th- I think all of that again works together very well. So where the real test will come is when there's a bit more uh, cycling around of uh, the defensive unit. But then again, we've seen in the last couple of games where they have been chopping and changing there. It's been, or again, the goalkeeper has been fairly decent there as well. So I think it's a case of everything all, all, everything coming together, I think. That's that's really what I'm seeing for the first few games under Europe anyway. I'd always said this, even though we had two brilliant games to kick off the Europe 4, as I, as I, as I call it, uh, <laughs> it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be a lot longer than that. We need to see this bed in over, say, 10 to a dozen games. And then only then will I personally get some kind of feel as to where we're going. So, yeah, we're going to have the shiny start, a bit more grittiness in the last couple of games. And if we keep seeing that mix, I don't have a problem with it as long as we keep winning games. And, and, and sometimes we'll have tougher games where things don't go to plan, where we're just eking out the results. Either way, we have all of those and we can string together an unbeaten run and uh, be uh, le- leading the pack come the winter break. That, that to me, that's where I'm going to draw the first uh, line of demarcation. That's where the first assessment is going to come in. So right right now, I'm just playing it match by match, so so to speak. And yeah, that's fine. Nine out of ten for this match. Seven out of ten for the next. Three out of ten for the next, maybe. But uh, no overall conclusions until say there's been a good number of games played. We can add it well, add all the sums up and average it out. Yeah, I would have to. I would have to agree. Let's uh, let's talk about um, let's talk about the penalty shootout for a second. Um, some people will say that uh, Gulachi's uh, performance was lucky. That was from Bayern fans, not from most other people. But really, it was one for the books. He turned up tremendously for Leipzig on several occasions. And in going into the shootout, one might have thought that that uh, RBL would have won, but Ulreich came up huge at the end, uh, saving a poor attempt by Timo Werner. Um, Chris, uh, what do you think about Gulachi? Was it was it luck or was it just awesome? Because I tend to think it was awesome. It was okay. There was one shoot from, I guess, Lewandowski where he didn't clear the ball good enough after a cross, and Lewandowski had a really good opportunity and yeah, just fires those the, the, the ball. Um, 
directly into the goal direction and Gulaji was just yeah he tipped it with the finger but there was no real reaction so this was maybe this one point where he was a little bit lucky but overall he had a tremendous performance um even in the shootout um if you're re-watching all Bayern penalties you will figure out that Gulaji was always in the in the right spot um so he he had all he jumped always in the right direction, um, but the shoots from the Bayern players um, were just a little bit better then. Um, so he couldn't get his fingers on the ball, um, but yeah, he was always in the right direction and that that was a little bit luckier um, also in those or for Bayern at this point. Rick? Yeah, well, I'd say pretty much the same. I think if, you, if you're looking at uh, the two goalkeepers, you could say that Gulachi was uh, was the unlucky one because uh, in in terms of how he was uh, assessing the penalties from each uh, penalty taker, he seemed to have done a better job. Either, either it was a uh, knowledge that he had, or him being able to wait until the very last moment to get an idea on uh, which direction the ball was going. But he was, let's say, on on any other day, if those all five of those Bayern penalties in different ways were just fantastic. I think. Yeah, it's they were the brilliant. Best, best five penalties I've seen put together for a long while. And uh, if you think back, not only two seasons ago, in that semi-final against Dortmund, where we couldn't even score one of them, and uh, half of the penalty because then ended up on their ass, quite literally. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, and and you and you look at it now, yesterday's performance. I think they were five clinical penalties. They're unstoppable. I think in 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 every look at each one, they were all different. Like Hummel's lovely uh, shot right into the top corner, and then Robin low with a little bit of gentle curl just in, just inside the post. All, all, all of them were great, and uh, Galacci uh, made really good attempts on a number of these. And uh, a fraction inside, he might have made a couple of good saves. On the other hand, you can say Ulrich perhaps didn't read the penalties too well. Seem to have gone in there with the the roulette tactic, as I call it. Either you pick, <laughs> pick black or you pick red, and uh, he, he was going straight in for the dive. His tactic was to go for the dive. He didn't seem to be watching or reading the takers. So, I think two or three. I can't remember how many. I've, I've watched it only the once. I recorded it, so I was planning to watch it again. But I think two or three of those penalties went straight down the middle. Hossenberg, the third and fourth went straight down the middle. It was Hossenberg and Orban. Yeah, the one, the, the, the one from Orban was really... Uh, Orban's penalty was dreadful, wasn't it? Yeah. Orban's penalty was dreadful. And but, uh, all, all Ulrich needed to do was just just remain focused on the kicker for a fraction more. And I, I think he just could have stood still and uh, he would have stopped it. But think, he went for the dive... Five times out of five, and the fifth time, he dived the right way, and Werner's penalty was poor. So, you could say the better goalkeeper on the day was the. It was just uh, the better goalkeeper was beaten by better penalty kicks. That, that, it was, that was it. Yeah, it was quite similar as we had it or oh, uh, against Dortmund in the Super Cup. There we had also this shootout, or yep. if I remember correctly, yeah. Um, there was it was pretty the same. So Ulrich saved two, I guess, and it was also in that way that um, yeah, he he it, it felt like he doesn't didn't hit it at a chance to to grab one of those balls, but yeah, for for some reason he managed to handle it. Um, I don't know, yeah, maybe it was the yeah, relaxed just, I think it's the case of him diving, him taking that gamble. 
So he chooses red or he chooses black. He dives the right way. And uh, he, di- he dives the way which the penalty is, is being taken. And uh, as opposed to reading it, what Gulachi did yesterday. So you could say, out of the two keepers, in terms of the attempt in trying to stop it, Gulachi certainly made five better attempts at stopping the penalties. Absolutely. But it was just the quality of the penalties that beat him. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, It was very interesting to me. So noting the Halstenberg and Orban penalties straight down the middle, it seemed like when Werner came up that that Ulreich kind of held his move for a second. It It wasn't that luxurious leap to a side, whether it was left or right. Yeah, I have to, I've, I've to watch it again, Susie, because, uh, yeah, uh, p- perhaps, because uh, certainly he made uh, some fantastic Salmon-esque leaps, didn't he? Yeah. But I think for numbers, certainly for numbers three and four. Yeah, and, and he uh, just kind of plopped himself down for five. Yeah. We, I mean, which is great. It freaking worked, you know. Nobody, yeah. Nobody's going to discredit him. But it took him, it took him those two pennos down the middle for him to make – the right decision. Yeah. yeah Maybe so it perhaps was. Perhaps on number five, he was thinking, where's this going to go? And the penalty was just so poor. That we'll say he'd, he would say, would say he'd started moving to the right. I think it's one of those where everyone would say, what a coolly taken penalty by, by Werner. Gently rolling it to the keeper's uh, left-hand side. But that's, it's a strange thing about penalties. You watch it, watch one penalty. And when it's saved, you see, how awful was that penalty? But if the keeper dives the wrong way, people are then saying, how coolly taken was that penalty? Right. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> right. It's, it's completely you see, you see this all the time. You think, oh, yeah, he gave the goalkeeper the eyes and just nudged it to his left. You hear some kind of nonsense like that from commentators. <laughs> I think it, it's a, ultimately it's a lottery, and it, it is a gambling game. And uh, unluckily for Galachi, he... Uh, he rolled uh, the dice six times, came up just short each and every time. All right, uh, it worked out for him in the end, and it worked out for Bayern, and we can, and we can all be happy for that. Maybe there was this little, small, tiny advantage for Ulrich that he knew Werner from, um, yeah, the time from Stuttgart, previously. So maybe they had some penalty shootouts in the training years ago and yeah possibly yeah, Ulrich, yeah. Ulrich I mean, maybe just should show like up that, here yeah. hey Werner I know you <laughs> I know yeah. you you will take that's all it takes right a couple part. of words on the way past I know where you're going I know you I know you're gonna hit this and uh puts a doubt in Werner's mind and uh yeah it, it, it could have been something like that going on speaking of kind of thing where you have to end up watching the footage again just to see if there was actually any uh any were any words said Right. I mean, it could also, it, it could be totally wrong, our assumption, but yeah, it, it, it sounds like a funny storytelling. <laughs> Speaking of Werner and his vertigo problem, uh, was, was he a surprise inclusion? Did he look really fit? No, I, I think in, 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 it was one of these things where the situation being what it was, you, you'd feel they were players like perhaps 80%. You think this is a cup game. If it was a Bundesliga game, I don't think he would have come on at all. But it being a cup game, could he make that difference between uh, going out and uh, winning the game? I think that's the gamble Hasenhutl had to take. 
And yeah, I, I don't think he was fully fit. He wasn't his uh, sharper self. That's it. Saying that he was uh, caught narrowly offside for, in, for one moment before putting the ball in the back of the net. We're just talking half a yard there, and uh, it might not have even gone to penalties. So it's a it's it's a hard hard one to call, really. If say he was a yard behind, he scored. Leipzig went two one up. No one we there would be no debate to be had. It would have been an inspired decision to bring him on. But uh, in the end, I think it was a gamble that failed. I don't think he's fully fit, but it's something that the Leipzig coach probably felt that he had to do at that time. Speaking of that, what uh, Chris, what do you make of Jupp Henkes' subs in this match? Mm, yeah, okay. It was interesting. Yes, it was interesting. Yeah, it, was, it was maybe, yeah, it was interesting. Okay, Coman went off with an injury, I guess, after 60, 65 minutes. And yeah, there was no real opportunity on the bench. So he subbed on Martinez, I guess, if I remember correctly. Let me check it. Let me cheat and I will take a short look who was subbed in and subbed out. Um, yeah. He, or the first one was he, uh, Rudy. Rudy yeah. was first. Um, yeah, okay. He had to take off Vidal um, because, yeah, Vidal, yeah, did Vidal things. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I that, think that's maybe that that was the slightly also the slightly difference between New Pinecus and Ancelotti. Ancelotti, um, I guess he, in his mindset, he just, uh, maybe just thought, okay, I leave Vidal on the pitch, and yeah, it 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 will work some way. And Jupinkus is, yeah, a little bit maybe, or reads the game a little bit, maybe a little bit better. And he understands, okay, Vidal is um, the, the next one on the list um, who who went off. Um, so he brings on Rudy, which was also the correct decision to um, add some additional playmaker skills after Keita, um yeah, went off with his red card. And yeah, then okay, Martinez came on for command. Um, and then the, there was this, let's say, the 30, uh, yeah, till the end of the, the regular time and the first half of the extra time, which went pretty well because he also sat in then Rafinha for Tolisso and Reed, this um, U23 player um, for Thiago, where Heinkes, let's say, he created some challenges for the team for Hasenhüttl because Bayern's players are moving around, shifting their positions. Then they come this read on. Um, he moved to, like let's say, in 4-4-2 with two strikers in, in the up front. Um, then he brings on Rafinha. Then Rob moved on the left side um, to create there some pressure. With Martinez, um, he's trying to control a little bit more the midfield. Um, Kimmich went into the midfield. Um, there was a lot of substitution directly on the pitch, uh, which feels from the Bayern side kind of very natural. There was no real, yeah, in those, let's say, 50 or yeah, 45 minutes, 50 minutes, if you add the extra time, um, where you didn't have the feeling there was kind of a totally break after, after one of those substitutions and also this whole position changing. You, you never had a feeling there was one of those bigger breaks and this went really well and that created or yeah Heinkes 
definitely had to earn some credits for this one. Rick? Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm completely agreed. I think that all four substitutions were well made, and the, the timing was spot on. I think, as a, again, as Chris alluded to just a couple of moments ago, uh, when Rudy came on for Vidal, I think. A, it uh, strengthened the team anyway because Vidal was uh, one of the weaker points, but that change came just moments after Cater was sent off. And uh, you, you look at this and you're saying, well, you know what, the referee has made this decision. Is he going to level this one up? And uh, the best thing to do at that time was to take Vidal off because I think uh, him being one of those players that, again, yep, Vidal doing Vidal things... It, it could have uh, turned into something worse, but it was so. It was actually, that was a double whammy. That move, bringing Vidal off, who wasn't particularly great during the game, and putting Rudy on to bring that stability. So, yep, Rudy's there as a playmaker, but people forget as well that he has a certain steel to his game as well, and that's why I think he's a massively underrated player in this Bayern team. And uh, Martinez, of course, coming on, strengthened even further, and. Yeah, perhaps we had little choice given the scarce of, uh, scarcity of resources on the bench. But I think uh, Vrit had a, had a pretty good outing for uh, a first-team debut. Could oh, have even geez. finished uh, scoring the winning goal. That was uh, a bit unlucky. So, yeah, yeah I was uh, quite impressed with him. He was uh, played like a good old-fashioned uh, centre-forward, making his way to the byline, getting crosses in. For the few minutes that we saw him, I was uh, quite impressed. I'd like to see a bit more of him, to be honest with you. Perhaps coming off the bench... Uh, in the next couple of games. The good yeah. thing is, yeah, he, he also showed showed all players in the squad at those positions that say 17, 18, 19, and even those younger players um, who are playing for the second squad, that there's a chance to coming in. I mean, okay, clearly there are many injuries and um, it's easier to get a spot on the bench, but he also showed or Heike showed that he also trusts on those players. Um, I mean, it was an, a very totally important game, and it was like, yeah, okay, um, against Leipzig, this is one of those, maybe um, also the matches against Dortmund and the couple of Champions League matches in the, um, in the round of the last 16s and ongoing, um, like, like a do-or-die game. And then he's just trusting, yeah, and such a young player and this is quite impressive and should also give a lot of confidence to the the other younger players in the squad that there's definitely a chance so if you're remembering the time with Ancelotti where we had Sanchez in the squad um, who's currently on alone in, in Swansea um, who didn't have this confidence because yeah Ancelotti didn't bring him for the most of the time and I guess Heinkes yeah, would handle this a little bit better He's trying to foster that sort of relationship that they need I think from the senior squad to the amateur squad right which is something that Ancelotti was completely not interested in Yeah Right. Definitely. Yeah. 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 I'd, I'd agree with that as well. I think uh, it's, it's it's going back to good old uh, back to basics approach, isn't it? So uh, the idea of uh, integrating the players on the fringe 
Uh, I, I'm overall. I think I'm, I'm quite happy with uh, with Heinkis being back in Munich. To be honest with you, I look at all of these little things. You put it all together, and uh, it's a far happier situation that we're that we're in now. I think. Yeah, I think I think the team is willing to fight for each other and play for each other, which they weren't necessarily willing to do on the, under Ancelotti. Um, team defense like throughout the whole pitch is much better than it was. Um, and despite a couple of near scary results over the last two weeks, um, still come out of this, I think much improved looking forward though, to round two of Red Bull, uh, Chris, what do you think Ancelotti is going to do on the weekend? So Bernat is back in team training, and so is Hymas. Uh What do you think a lineup will look like under under uh, Henkes on Saturday? <laughs> you proved yourself because previously you mentioned Ancelotti. Uh, Ancelotti, I yeah, guess, was some, some additional... Now. Yeah, you will watch some additional Premier League games, I guess. <laughs> um, and we'll, we'll tweet about it. Um, yeah, I see some chances that Bayern will try to get a little bit more control um, and will improve their passing game. So, so these, I see a starting po- a spot maybe for Rudy and Thiago, definitely. Um, so maybe Tolisso and or Vidal went off, I guess. As well as, yeah, if, if Hamas is really fit, I could imagine that he's getting a starting point, uh, sc- a starting spot. It, it also depends on um, how fit Coman will be. What is, what is Coman's injury? Is it just a knock or...? It sounds, it was like a kind of a hamstring. Oh, shit. Okay, I didn't see that, so thank you. <laughs> could Hymas play on the left? Yeah, it could be. It could be that he's nominating for the left wing, um, but he's trying to tend and, yeah, moving to the, to the mid of the, the pitch. So that That's would bring, thing. that would bring, because even though we discussed it, I don't think that um, Henkes will start Vidal at the 10. So that would bring Thiago back to the 10, correct? Yeah, it could be. It, it, it depends. It really depends. So um, normally I wouldn't expect, I, I didn't expect so many changes, but it's, yeah, it, it all depends on the injuries. Um yeah, let's say Coman is fit, then Coman will start. Um, yeah, and I would expect one of one of both Tolisso or Vidal wouldn't start. I I guess he he will bench one of those both. And yeah, it could be that Rudy or yeah, even Martinez will getting the starting spot. So ideal formation in my mind I have currently is maybe Martinez and Thiago in the midfield and James at 10. But yeah, it all depends on how fit is, is James. And 
if Heinkes is trusting him once again um, after the match against um, Hamburg, when yeah he was kind of invisible in the first 45 minutes. Um, it also depends on yeah okay, what uh, how is the training look like so we are not that close that we observing all training sessions so it, it also depends on that Rick? Yeah I'd say pretty much the same as what, what Chris has said I think it's it's not it's not that hard to to make team lineup predictions at this point given, given the, the number of injuries so yeah there, there is going to be that uh, required shuffling around in, in the midfield and yeah I, I do think uh, I certainly think because I'm, I'm backing him given He's now become one of my, let's say, favourite and perhaps more reliable players. Uh, start for Rudy, almost certainly. So, Rudy and Thiago, maybe. I, I certainly think uh, Vidal is going to be given a breather. He'll be on the bench and uh, Tolisso possibly. And again, the, the come on uh, Hames uh, conundrum will really depend on uh, their their relative fitness. So. Uh, you're, you're assuming come on because uh, he's been one of the better players in the last couple of weeks since uh, Yup's return. You'd expect him to be out there on the left, but uh, Hamas could start. You expect him to be in that, like sitting sitting behind the fr- sitting behind the front, but could even be out on the wing. Yeah, so I'm I'm pretty much repeating what what Chris has said just, just now. I think, uh, it, and it's all down to do with the number of choices that the coach has at his disposal. Other changes that we might see possibly. But then, given that it's Leipzig, I don't think we'll see many changes to the back four. If it were another team, we might see one of Boateng or Hummels being rested and Zula being given another another go in the middle. But it being Leipzig, I don't think we're going to see any change in the back four. So that means, yeah, it's, it's pretty much just going to be that that midfield area is going to be the focus of any possible changes. What do you what do you guys think about a a second half uh, Bernat run out? Bernat had a blistering preseason and then a horrible ankle injury. And probably and not, probably not for this game. Probably not this Leipzig game. It's easy to no, play. no, not uh, not um daily. Yeah, they mentioned already that um, he he's back in yeah in the team training. Um, but they are, he will be part of the team training for a couple of weeks um, till he's back in shape. So I guess there's not an option that he is he's even on the bench. Yeah. So even if he was on the bench, even if he was say 90%, say say like a Timo Werner style situation, given the importance of this game. I, I can't see it. If we if, if we were playing a less, lesser team, say a, a Cologne or Bremen or some or a team like that, you could see it. You could see that scenario where he's brought in, is with a possibility of perhaps having uh, twenty or so minutes off the bench, but not a game of uh, this uh, level. And certainly, what we saw yesterday, it's highly likely to have the same level of intensity uh, on Saturday. So I'd say the chances of uh, Burnout getting a run out are between zero and zero. <laughs> how about? I guess how the, about, the, 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 how oh, about the next Bundesliga match? No, again, same again, same again. I say unless he's hundred percent and raring to go. I think he's going to be probably sitting at that one as well. I mean, because I guess it, 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 yeah, he will be, he will be not in 
and afterwards um, there's the national break and then we can start with the discussion. Because Alaba hasn't been covering himself in defensive glory. Alaba hasn't been convinced in covering himself in defensive glory for a while now. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, he's great going yeah, he, forward he's with Coleman. And, and he, they he's have starting a, to improve also. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's great going forward with Coleman, and they have a good relationship, and this is amazing. But defending is still part of his job. Let's let's wait. What? Yeah, I mean the, the the whole interesting question. If you're asking about um, who will show up, is also on the Leipzig side. So um, how they want to start? Um, I could imagine that Hasenhüttl um, will do a lot of changes um, because also they have on Wednesday afterwards the, the really important Champions League game against Porto. So if they are losing not in Porto. If they probably win against Porto, um, then they have a really good chance to to be promoted in the round of last 16. And I'm not sure if Hasenhüttl wants to take the risk of that. And maybe he he sees less importance into the Bundesliga, but it's just guessing here. Rick, any yeah. final thoughts? Yeah, I, 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 I pretty much agree with that as well. I think. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think yeah, in, too, in yeah, too boring. Of, it's, 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 it's the same. We have always the same opinion. It's easy. We need to improve ourselves for the next time. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm it's, it's, it's easy though, isn't it? I think uh, with this, I think uh, a number of conclusions can be drawn, and they're fairly straightforward conclusions. I think. So, what can we fight about, guys? Because fighting is fun. <laughs> fighting is fun. Yeah, I mean, that, that, I mean that, that's the key to it, Susie, really, isn't it? I think, uh, I think the days for, of fighting, I, I want these days to be over, and I think they are now. I think you, you, you go back perhaps a month ago, yeah, there, there probably may have been grounds, because certainly the two of us were differing, certainly, on uh, opinions of Carletto. And... Uh, these were the grounds for for argument. I, I'd like to think now that everyone is coming together to the point where you're, we're, we're agreeing for the, for the most part on because I think Yup seems to be doing this right. He's uh, taking a calm and measured approach to it. Nothing untoward has occurred, and uh, there's there's nothing really for us to any find any great or deep level of disagreement about to be put, which is which can only which is not great for uh, this kind of thing if you want to have debates <laughs> being uh, uh, crossing the floor but uh, in terms of us all being buying supporters I think uh, it's probably the best scenario to have yeah absolutely that just means I have to start bringing the enemy onto the podcast <laughs> probably <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um I think we're good here for today, unless Chris or Rick, you have any final thoughts looking forward to Saturday? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to Saturday in particular because I'm going to be there on Saturday. Yay! Whoa! Awesome. Where yeah, are you sitting? So a, a, a couple of stands up uh, above the Zutkurve. So uh, I'll be looking down on them. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. Hey, hit me up whenever you want to go, because my fan club has what? tickets on the Sudkova all the time. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> We're in like 219, 217. <laughs> oh, that's 
That's cool. I'm just saying. Anyway. <laughs> it's nice actually where, where I sit, actually, a lot of the time. Really? Yeah. So just, the, just German, above them. the German fan club I'm involved with is uh, Red Stars, and they're from Heidenheim. And they are the absolute <laughs> best group of people you will ever meet in your entire life. So, yeah, let me know. Sometimes I'm able to yeah. do stuff. Whatever. <laughs> Sorry, no, this no, is public. I, I mean, that's what we're up to. I certainly will do that. <laughs> yeah. No, great, great, great people. And I used to do a lot of, when I could travel, I did a lot of Champions League away matches with them. And they're all brilliant, partying, the most fun people in the world. We've gotten into some shenanigans for sure. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, we're going to leave it here for today. We have a match against Celtic uh, midweek in Champions League. Follow, uh, or pardon me, first of all, we have the Red Bull match on Saturday, followed by Celtic midweek in Champions League, and then Borussia Dortmund again in the league. These are a tasty three few matches coming up for Bayern Munich. Yupankis, uh, uh, we have determined, uh, has been on the right side of things and um, maybe a true test of where things lie happen after the Bebo Bay match. But for now, I'm your host, Susie Schaff. I can be found on Twitter at the Susie Schaff, T H E S U S I E S C H A A F. And Rick? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Fussball Chef. That's Fussball. I'm hoping everybody knows how to spell that. Followed by uh, Chef as in C H E F. And Christopher? Also on Twitter at uh, R A M M N C. Perfect. Guys, thank you so much for joining us today. And we will be back with you very soon with hopefully excellent, excellent news. Servus. Take care. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye.